You're listening to Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted uh, to have you tuned in. In this hour, this Friday, uh, make that tomorrow, uh, would have been the 90th birthday of iconic jazz master Wayne Shorter. Wayne Shorter would have turned 90 uh, tomorrow. I had the great honor of hanging out with Wayne Shorter uh, in this country and in um, places uh, around the globe. The last time he and I were together, Outside of the country, we were at the Montreal Jazz Festival. He was headlining the Montreal Jazz Festival. Of course, sat for any number of conversations with him over the course of my work on radio and television. So uh, I feel very fortunate to have met and spent some good time with, uh, again, this uh, iconic jazz master, Wayne Short. It would have turned 90 tomorrow were he still with us. In this hour, then, a conversation uh, with the director of a new documentary called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. Her name is Dorsai Olivey. We'll get to her in just a moment. Here now, the trailer for the documentary. Jazz is like saying, once upon a time, and then fill in the blanks. Visionaries open doorways, and those doorways are open not just for themselves. For Wayne, jazz is supposed to be that thing that challenges your thinking, challenges your belief system. They were greeted almost like the Beatles. Wayne Shorter, this is the most influential person in my musical life. I asked him, Wayne, what's the most important tool? And he said, your imagination. You're going to have fun with life instead of life having fun with us. <laughs> I began to understand little games that were played with modes of thinking. <laughs> I said, when are we going to rehearse? And he said, you can't rehearse the unknown. He lost Iska and his parents, his brother. His wife. He was determined to not be driven to the ground by that. Faith is to fear nothing. I think that it's important that greatness be recognized in this culture. My emotions are taken to places I didn't know existed. No gravity, no time, no fear. Zero gravity is to say and do things in the present moment. The present moment is the only place where you can change the past and dictate your future. Director Dorsey Olivey joins us now to unpack the creation of this new docu-series, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity, and to explore the captivating intersection of music and spirituality, which helped define Shorter's legacy. I am pleased to welcome Dorsey Olivey to this program. Dorsey, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to have you on the program. Thank you, and uh, I love the subject matter. Uh, as I said uh, moments ago, I had a chance to spend some good time with Wayne Shorter uh, over the course of my career, and I'm honored to have you on to talk about his rich, rich, rich legacy. Let me start with two things right quick, and we'll move from there. One, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity, uh, the title of the docuseries. You heard Wayne in his own voice talking about zero gravity. When you heard that concept come from him, how did you receive it? I received it in many layers. It's actually the crux of how he lived his life and created his music off the page, in the moment, not bound by any mandate or conformity, um, and living in that present moment where it is truly living as a being in, on this universe. So there's so many layers in you, and it was just something that Wayne, in the latter part of his life, gave words to. And I took those words and said, how do you feel about me giving it this title? And he loved it. Mm. 
zero gravity um, is uh, it's, it's, it's something to wrestle with. And you're right, it's textured and layered in so many ways. And we'll get to some of that as we move through this hour. Uh, when we come forward, I want to get uh, a Dorsai's um, reaction as well uh, to one line in that clip that jumped out at me when I first saw it uh, and heard it. It just jumped out at me. Uh, Wayne was asked, what is the most important tool? And he said, your imagination. That thing is rich. What is the most important tool? Your imagination. I think that's true not just for great jazz artists, but for you and you and you and you and you and yours truly. Uh, the most important tool that we have in our lives may very well be our imagination. A great deal to talk about regarding this new docuseries, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity, with the director of it, uh, Dorsai Olivey, who we'll get right back to when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Sounds different. Huh. This, this is Tavis Smiley. I'm Tavis Smiley. The smooth sounds of uh, Wayne Shorter. One of the best to ever pick up a horn. And we are celebrating his rich life and legacy in this hour. A legacy that uh, uh, was at an intersection of uh, music and spirituality. Uh, if you knew Wayne Shorter, ever met Wayne Shorter, uh, he, he, he never believed in proselytizing. But you couldn't talk to Wayne for too long without him bringing up his his Buddhist faith. Same is true of his dear friend Herbie Hancock uh, and others I've met over the course of my career. Again, Wayne wasn't uh, much for preaching or proselytizing, but there's no question that uh, his life uh, is at the intersection of music and spirituality. And that comes through in this new docuseries called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. Uh, the uh, director of that documentary series is Dorsai Olivey, and I'm pleased to have her on this program uh, in this hour. We talked earlier, uh, uh, Dorsai, about that notion of zero gravity, uh, as Wayne Shorter described it, and it was obviously at the epicenter of his of his life and the way he moved and who he was uh, at the core of his being. But I, but I was also struck. Uh, I mean, there's, so, there's so much in this in this series that one will be impressed by. Um, but that line that we heard in the trailer, uh, when asked uh, what the most important tool was, Wayne Shorter said, "Your imagination." That struck me, Dorsa. Mm-hmm. Well, it's at the core of all innovation is imagination, mm-hmm. and that was Wayne's mission. He was an innovator. He was a thinker. He was a seeker, and it starts in that vacant lot as a child that where everything was possible, ideas, and, you know, and he maintained that throughout his life, and he maintained that childlike curiosity, and that is very rooted in his imagination. Talk to me about that vacant lot. Well, he often referenced it because it had such a strong impact on him. You know, he played in that lot with his brother in Newark, and they play acted, I mean, they, they were flying everywhere. They were in space. They were in the Sahara Desert. As you can see in the film, I visualized all that. Mm-hmm. But really, it was the seeds of his creativity were planted there and on that table where his mother brought him, you know, pieces of clay, and they molded it, and the cinema. Those were the three important pillars for him of creativity. Mm-hmm. T- tell me more about his childhood. I, we'll, we'll work our way into how music became his muse. But tell me a bit more about how uh, his childhood, I mean, all of us, every one of us, we are the sum total of our life's experiences. And so it's hard to talk about us in our latter years without understanding the connections to our former years. Talk to me about his childhood a bit. He was very close with his mother 
very strong mother who respected playing as a form of work. Mm. And so she, she loved that her two sons could spend hours imagining things and creating things. She was very progressive in her thinking at that time of understanding that that's how we build on ideas. And so his childhood had, he still references details about his childhood, and I think because it, had set, it left such a strong impression on him. And he had a happy childhood. And how many of us can say that? I mean, he really loved playing with his brother. He loved his mother. And he was fortunate enough to go to a school at the time. People understood he was supremely talented, and he was nurtured and supported. And, you know, when he went to the cinema and he was, you know, cutting class rather than punishing him, Mm. they understood Mm. that he was interested in something, and they put him in the music class. I mean, those are how... How fortunate was he at that time to be seen in that manner? Yeah. Um, That phrase you used a moment ago hit me, and I'm sure others heard it the same way I heard it, that his mother saw playing as a form of work. I've never quite heard it put that way. It's not just a beautiful phrase, but there's something there worth unpacking. So let's let's interrogate that comment, seeing play Mm -hmm. as a form of work, Dorsa. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, where does all innovation come from? It comes from the freedom of ideas and thoughts and creativity is the same thing. It's reflective. And she saw that as an important part of work as a human being is to have that kind of freedom to explore. Mm. Now, that, that, it, it hit me for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that we, we, we tend to oftentimes um, demean play. Uh, as if nothing creative happens, nothing innovative happens, nothing good comes out of just playing. Uh, we, we tend to, I think, oftentimes view it as a waste of time when you should be busy working, you should be busy building, busy doing something. But the fact that his mother was wise enough to see play as a form of work is something that, that resonates with me, and it, it just uh, sort of jumped out at me. Uh, so you mentioned mm-hmm. that that there are those around Wayne Shorter who saw something unique about him, um, uh, understood uh, on some level, his uh, mercurial ways, if I can put it that way. But somebody realized that he needed to be put in a music program. Tell me about that part, as we say. Well, you know, he got in trouble because he was cutting class and going to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. But what he told them when they asked him is, why are you cutting class? Why are you going to the movie theater? They questioned, which was really important, rather than being immediately punitive, oh, we're going to suspend you. They said, why, why were you going to the movie theater? He was listening to the music. He was listening to the great bands in the background. He was fascinated by the sounds were drawing him in, as well as picture. Because Wayne was also a visual artist, mm-hmm. so he had both. And so they said, ah, okay, let's put him in the music class and see what happens. And that just, he took off. I mean, mm-hmm. it, he was amazing. Immediately they understood, this, this kid is gifted. Yeah. Let's nurture it. So what happens when he gets in the music class? Or, or let, let me ask it. Let me ask it a, a bit differently. Uh, and I'm always uh, I'm always tickled when I talk to artists and I hear the backstories of how uh, they chose a particular instrument. And what I usually get is how the instrument chose them. Uh, but they, they put him in this music class. And what happens next? How, do, how, how does anyway, let me stop. What happens when he gets in the music class? Well, you know, he took a test and he. He was the first one finished, and he aced it, and the teacher brought it to the attention of the students, said, listen up, class, this is a perfect paper. And he thought, 
And then when he left class, he went, hmm, what's this all about? And he explored. Again, he was that child. Okay, I'm going to explore this. Uh-huh. And he just got better and better. And obviously from clarinet, moved into the you know, tenor sax. And then from there went to you know, NYU. So it's just kind of a string of events happened after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, do, what do we know? What do we learn about his embrace of, his love of, his journey to the tenor sax? Well, you know, Wayne saw the instrument as a, the magic carpet, a vessel mm-hmm. that would, the sound would take him where he needed to go and where he can communicate the invisible, make the invisible visible through sound. He could have a dialogue. It would take him places. So he understood very early on this was, didn't matter what the instrument was, mm-hmm. but he knew that he could use it and it would take him somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's one thing for people to realize that you are gifted in some unique uh, way. Um, glad that somebody figured that out and they weren't, to your point, punitive and pejorative, but they found their way to putting him in a music program. And it's easy to say the rest, as they say, is history. We, we, we use that phrase all the time. It doesn't quite work out that way. Um, mm-hmm. help, me, help me understand when he knew that music was his muse. I think when Wayne started playing in the clubs mm-hmm. early on and he would go up on stage and he would just blow everyone out of the water <laughs> and he started to gain the name, the Newark Flash. Mm-hmm. And when he started saying, huh, okay, I'm mm-hmm. good at this. People are actually recognizing me. And then he started obviously getting called by other band leaders to join their band. So that was, you know, when you first start, that was affirmation. Okay, I must be good at this. And uh, I think it just, he grew. But, you know, a lot of hard work. Wayne yeah. was a very hard worker. And he, he worked at it and became excellent at it. It wasn't just pure talent. It was also the amount of time and work he put into it. Tell me more about that. Because there, there are, there are at, least, at least two ways that people become uh, iconic and become excellent at what they do. And you put your finger on both of them. One is that you just have a gift. Uh, and that gift though still has to be nurtured. So you don't, you don't, you don't have a gift that doesn't require some work, but I hear you pressing a point that I'd never considered before in my conversation with Wayne Shorter, uh, that it wasn't just his gift. It wasn't just his talent, but that he really, really had to work at this. I, I, I think now, uh, of of the Colossus, who I've had a chance also to interview over the course of his life, uh, and he will tell you the story that you know he in, into his nineties when, when he finally stopped playing, um, he was rehearsing every day. I've talked to many other great artists who are still you know as their careers advance, still rehearsing, still trying to get better. Talk to me specifically about Wayne Shorter beyond his gift, beyond his talent, the hard work that he felt he needed to put in. Well, first of all, he had very unshakable faith. Yeah. and perseverance. That's very important that he he had very strong character, and it's that vacant lot of playing and playing and focus and focus. But the thing about Wayne is it wasn't just about practice. Mm-hmm. He was always, he, he knew form really well, but then he was able to break form. Because you have to know the basics. You have to know it well to be able to fly and to be able to move away from the page. So it took years, but he understood that, that he had to know everything before he could actually break it and create, have his own voice mm-hmm. you as, a, as a band leader, ultimately. Yeah. You mentioned earlier um, 
powerfully that imagination is at the core of all innovation. Imagination at the core of all innovation. Um, most artists that I've had a chance to interview over the course of my career, uh, are clearly they're gifted. Uh, many, most of them have, you know, a pretty good imagination, but not all of them innovate. Uh, what was it about Wayne? Give, give me, give me some understanding as to what it was about his, his, his being and the way he wanted to show up in the world or did show up in the world that, uh, allowed for innovation at the center of that. Cause you can be a great artist. Uh, but never really innovate. But it seems to me that, you know, every project he put out, uh, every every album, uh, every every performance, he is, to your point, trying to innovate. What's that about? Well, let's start with freedom and okay. how important that was for Wayne. Freedom to live by his rules, freedom to create by his rules. He did not veer away from his personal mission and his... In deep philosophical belief system, he was highly educated. He was aware of what was going on in the world. He was somebody who didn't get bogged down by the minutia of life and the details and the difficulties. Understood that adversity was his friend. It was a part of life. Was never dragged down by it. When you have that kind of freedom of thinking, you create space for yourself to to move beyond what is known. And that, to me, is essential in being a great innovator or a great artist. Mm -hmm. You mentioned his personal mission, um, which, which begs the obvious question. What, in fact, was his personal mission? His personal mission was to raise each individual person who listened to his music to raise their frequency and to, to have a dialogue with them that they are the masters of their own destiny they are leaders in their own life, and that, you know, he wanted, he earnestly wanted every individual to evolve in this lifetime. Yeah. So, so Wayne Shorter is, as you well know, obviously, raised in the age of segregation. And when, you, when, when one listens to you tell the story of his childhood uh, and on through school and into college and, and the, 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 the beginnings, uh, the early days of his career, uh, one, at least at this point in the conversation, doesn't hear anything about what it was like trying to navigate that period. We basically hear that he was always a person who was centered and a hard worker and, and, a, and a person of peace. As you put it, he didn't let the, the doldrums of life get him down. But it's not lost to me that he's coming up in the era of segregation of Jim Crow and Jane Crow. And, and about that, you say what? You know, absolutely. He experienced it just like everybody else. And, you know, it's interesting because I brought this up a lot when I interviewed Wayne. Mm -hmm. And I wanted a direct answer from him because I felt the same. I asked the same question you're asking me. Mm -hmm. And many times, Wayne, he has this ability, always rise, has this bird's eye view of things, but also said the mere fact that freedom was essential to him is an after effect of what he experienced growing up. The fact that those things were so important to him and what he wanted to convey is always a result of the experiences of what you personally have experienced, but also what you've seen others experience and a reflection of the times that he grew up in. So I think so much of his music, he wasn't verbal directly about it, but what it did was that every song he played had an element of that. And I bring that up in the film. There's like free for all. 
He was speaking through his music. He spoke through his art. He wasn't a direct activist in any way, but he wanted people to fight, to fight for justice, and I think that was very important to him. But he never really specifically said, but I know he had ex- many experiences mm-hmm. as a young musician on the streets. His parents, his mother, I think there's a story where his father had, they were in the South visiting some relatives, and he was going into the drugstore, and the guy gave him, didn't give him the correct change, and the father was going to say something, and she told you know, her husband, we're in the South now, you don't, don't be mm-hmm. doing that, don't don't dispute that you know their their family experienced sure. it absolutely no when we come forward i i, I want to talk about uh, a bit more about some of those experiences uh in that era uh, i want to talk about this distinction you just made between uh speaking through his art versus being an outright activist or an advocate uh of course we haven't worked our way yet into his real spirituality and how he discovered buddhism a great deal more to talk about regarding the life and legacy of one wayne shorter the documentary series is called wayne shorter zero gravity uh dorsai olivey is the director of more with her when we come forward on tavis smiley interrogating and unpacking that's what we do around here you're listening to tavis smiley ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas more of tavis smiley coming your way right now It's the music of Wayne Shorter. We are celebrating in this hour. Were Wayne still with us? He'd be turning 90 tomorrow. And uh, we are digging into uh, a bit of his corpus <laughs> in this hour for your listening pleasure, as they say. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by Dorsai Olivey, who is the director of a new docuseries called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. And uh, before I get back into our conversation, uh, picking up on the themes that we were discussing uh, moments ago, Dorsai, um, let me give you a moment to talk about uh, this series. It is a, a three-part series, uh, and each hour, each uh, each uh, each part of the series, each episode, I should say, lasts about an hour. Uh, you call them portals. That's apt to call them portals, mm-hmm. uh, paying homage to Shorter's affinity for Buddhism, of course. But did, tell, tell me about the way you approach this and uh, why it, why it uh, stretches over uh, a, a three-part piece. Well, I wanted to make a film about Wayne's life as a human, uh, uh, his I want, let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. I was more interested in a man's life and how he grew to greatness. Mm-hmm. That was at the core of what I wanted to do. It, the music was very important, but it still was truly about Wayne Shorter as a human being. And so each portal, I chose three periods, pivotal periods in Wayne's life that I believe truly affected his music. I would say that the portal idea was really about transporting the viewer into that period of time. So you felt like you were really there. Mm-hmm. And the palette, each palette that I chose, I looked at colors and wanted you to feel like you were really there. I didn't want it to be a documentary. didn't want to feel like a documentary, even though it was. Mm-hmm. So, and I also wanted to have visual translations of Wayne's music because yeah. Wayne was very visual, and he was always making movies without pictures. Mm-hmm. So I gave the pictures to his music. And how would you describe how these three portals defined? How would I describe how they're defined? Yeah, you said, you said there, there, say, you said there, there were three parts of his life that you wanted to really focus in on. So I'm, I'm trying to uh, yes. unpack those three, yes. Of course. So childhood until his late 
20s was the first portal, mm-hmm. um, how the seeds of his creativity, his virtuosity as a young man, how he was building his career. The second portal is, is his midlife, his, the tragedies that struck him, the losses, and how he, was, how he turned poison into medicine. Mm-hmm. And then the last portal is you would think that one after that much tragedy would be struck down, but how he evolved and how he gave back to the world through his music. We don't want to give the series away, but just give me, just uh, give us a, just top line for us, um, your reference to that much tragedy. Well, if you think about all the losses at a period of five years, he lost so many people, his daughter's um, disability, his wife, losing his wife. You know, Wayne, his Buddhist practice really took you know, it allowed him to be able to see through all of that, gave him the support that he na- needed and the foundation for the rest of his life. Yeah. We'll get to that Buddhist practice here in a moment here. Let me go back now uh, to what we were talking about before the break, and that is um, this decision that he made, and everybody has a right to self-determination. I don't judge people in this regard. Everybody has to choose their own path. But it, to use your phrase, he, choo- he chose to spoke during this period of Jim Crow and Jane Crow and segregation and all that he had to endure. He chose not to become an activist, per se, on the front lines, uh, but, but, but spoke through his music, spoke through his art. Talk to me about that, please. Well, I think, again, when we go back to the sounds that he created, and he, he references this in Portal 3, has that sound is also a very potent instigator. And by hearing sound, he can instill hope in people and perseverance. And that's what he felt he was doing. By When people listened to his music, they were inspired to act. And that's really important. He wasn't doing it overtly. He was doing it subtextually. Mm-hmm. Now, let me jump forward again to, to his Buddhist practice. Uh, as I said earlier in this conversation, if you spend any time with Wayne Shorter, he was not a proselytizer. Uh, but uh, at some point in the, in the conversation, he was going to weave that in. Herbie Hancock is still the same way. Um, talk to me about how he found his way into the practice of Buddhism. Actually, he, his wife, Anna Maria, I mean, Herbie was the first to introduce Anna Maria, his wife, to the practice. Mm -hmm. And Wayne kind of knew about it, and she was really active in the community. But I think there was a period of time when Iska was born, and all the tragedy, I mean, the difficulty of raising a child with this disability, he really started to listen. When he lost Iska, I think, is when he really took a dive into the philosophy and really, truly lived by it. I mean, by example, he he was active in the community, but he embodied that philosophy. Yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want to. The question is, is probably not how his Buddhist practice changed him. Um, so I'll I'll let you fill in the blank. But his Buddhist practice did what to and for him? Allowed him to view adversity from a different lens allowed him to understand that in this life your struggle is not your enemy your struggle is how you evolve and to embrace the struggle and not be beaten down by what the what life throws at you the obstacles Mm -hmm. that you we can be the leaders of our own life we can change our destiny we are not bound by oh 
this is the way your life is. This is your path. You need to stick with it. You can always transform any situation and grow from it. Yeah. We talked earlier in this conversation, uh, Dorsai, about his being uh, an, an innovator. No, no question about that. And to my mind, another way of saying innovator is to say a nonconformist. Um, to the extent you agree with that, talk to me about the ways in which he chose to be a nonconformist. Question everything. Yeah. Question the motives behind what he heard, what he saw in the news. I mean, he watched the news all day long. He was very aware of what was happening in the world, and but he always questioned motives. Why are they saying that? What's the what's the real reason behind their selling us this stuff? What is it? He's always questioning, and I I was too. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of dialogue about that. <laughs> so I think it's so important for people not just to take things for face value and not just to be followers, but to be leaders by questioning and believing in your own thought process and your intuition. It's an Amazon. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's an Amazon Prime Video uh, uh, series. Uh, it's called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. Uh, again, once again, uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, the director of this Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity uh, series uh, is Dorsai Olive. She's our guest in this hour on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed. We are talking about the new docuseries, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity. The director of that uh, docuseries is Dorsai Olivey. Uh, it is an Amazon Prime uh, docuseries, uh, so you know where to uh, go to, 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 to view it. Um, Dorsai, I, I'm wondering if I can ask a couple personal questions now. We've been talking about Wayne Shorter for this entire uh, hour, as we should, given uh, your docuseries, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity. Uh, I could have started our conversation here, but let me ask now, uh, why for you, I mean, you are, you, you're, you're a doc documentarians what you do you do all kinds of feature films and television series and commercials etc etc why Wayne Shorter as a subject I met Wayne Shorter in 95 when he was doing his high life album Verve hired me to direct his music video mm-hmm. and when I met Wayne I just it we just had an amazing conversation with each other and after I completed the video he invited me into his life and his family and I've been friends with him almost for three decades. Mm. So he's been a personal friend of mine, mm. and I learned so much by being in his presence and being, he just took me into his life, and we had many, many conversations. I, he was at my wedding. So this is, this is uh, a personal uh, project mm. for me and a passion project. What's it like doing a documentary series about someone you know that well, someone you're that close to? Well, you know, I tried to keep as objective as possible, hard, when you, <laughs> when you love your subject. Yeah. But at the same time, it was really important for me, and I had this conversation with Wayne, there's going to be things people are going to say that you're not going to like, and we can't exclude those. Those are part of how you became so great. We have to capture the adversity in your life. So I, I did that. I relied on a lot of people who know Wayne really well yeah. and did my research, but tried to keep some objectivity. But at the same time, I had great access I was a conduit, I was a fly on the wall. I got to see and hear a lot, and so that helped the process. Did Wayne Shorter have critics? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being naive or, or tongue-in-cheek about this, but he was such an innovator, such a nonconformist, so celebrated, uh, given uh, 
the music that he brought to us. His music is a soundtrack of many of our lives. Um, did he have critics? Did people not like his stuff? I think there was a period of time in Wayne's career when he was exploring with the music, and people didn't like where he was going with it, certainly. Mm -hmm. And he had a real aversion to the academic way of approaching the genre. He also didn't like that people were trying to pigeonhole it, confine it, and saying, this is jazz, because jazz for him was a way of life. It was freedom. It wasn't a genre that sounded like this or was created in the first, you know, five decades. He was interested in exploring it, moving it, challenging it, you know. And I think that in many ways he had a, he had an aversion to anybody who tried to confine it. And there were people certainly that were critics at one period of his life. Mm. And I think that was probably during the time that he was doing high life. Yeah, yeah. And moving in a different direction. When we come forward, our remaining moments with Dorsey Olivey, um, given that you just heard how close she was to Wayne Shorter for uh, three decades plus, I am curious as to what she was most impressed uh, about uh, and by, um, given who Wayne Shorter was. Uh, no doubt about the fact that anybody that came in his space, uh, certainly musically, was just blown away by his prowess. Uh, and he was a great guy. I, I, you know, I didn't know him nearly as well as, as Doris. I did no, nowhere near. But um, it was hard to be in his space and, and not, uh, uh, not be uh, basically smitten, taken by his personality and certainly by his gift. But uh, I'm curious as to what Dorsai was most impressed about over the years of uh, being a friend of one Wayne Shorter. The docuseries is called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. It's on Amazon Prime. But right now you're listening to director Dorsai Olivey on Tavis Smiley. From the Merc Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. 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 Dorsai, um, just about three minutes left in this conversation. I want to cover a, a, a few things in the three minutes that we have uh, remaining. Um, I could have said this earlier, <laughs> but uh, you got some great. You've got some great producers on this docu series, Wayne Short of Zero Gravity. <laughs> Do you not? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Brad Pitt for being one. I I just am so grateful to him. He he was amazing. He's been so supportive. Yeah, Brad Pitt, Carlo, some guy named Carlos Santana. <laughs> yes, Carlos, big supporter early on. Yeah, he loves Wayne. Yeah, he it, really does, and he wanted to see this film get out there. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong when you got producers uh, named Brad Pitt. Uh, and, and Carlos Santana and uh, Plan B uh, working with you to, to bring this thing to life. Once again, it's an Amazon Prime uh, docu-series. It's called Wayne Shorter Zero Gravity. In the two minutes I have left, let me get personal once again. Uh, you come to this country after being born in Tehran. You immigrated here at the age of 12. What is it like <laughs> looking two. back on your Actually, life? Actually, two. Actually, two. I'm, I'm sorry. I said 12. I meant, I meant two. I'm sorry. You come, you come yes. at, you, but you come here at the age of two from Iran, and some years later, you look up and you're in Wayne Shorter's inner circle. How, how do you, are, are you, did that give you goosebumps? How do you process that? I process that because Wayne was always interested in people from other countries. So it makes sense. He loves the exotic. He loves people who he's interested in people who come from other parts of the world. So it made sense that we would at some point meet. Yeah. Um, you think that was destiny? I do. I really do with Wayne. I, I have a very deep connection with Wayne. Um, you know, he was such a highly principled person who, you know, 
lived by, truly lived by his spiritual ideals, and he was so kind and respectful of every person that he met, and that's just such a rarity, and he's interested in everybody. He wants people to live to their highest potential, and I found that to be a rarity, and he truly meant it. My exit question is this. When you're around somebody who is that amazing, that great, that innovative, that creative, um, what do you personally take away from his life? Like, what are the things about Wayne that you hope to emulate in your own work and witness? Well, for one, is to understand that every individual has a story and not to be so reactive in life, but to be active in life. I think that's what I've learned most about Wayne. And also to know that I don't have to settle for the negative negative forces around me, that I can override them, and the obstacles are my friends and not my enemies. Dorsey Olivey is the director of this docuseries, Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity in Three Portals, Three Parts. It's on Amazon Prime. Dorsey, congratulations on, a, on an amazing piece of work, and honored to have you on the program. All the best to you. Oh, thank you so much, Tavis. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. It's my great honor. Thank you. That's our program. Three hours gone.